I'm done with you for a while. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 14th verse of Hebrews, for 14th verse of the 4th chapter of Hebrews. It's good to worship the Lord. Amen. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, David meant it when he spoke. Yes, he did. Praise the Lord, because he'd been a little bit ostracized from the house of the Lord. And if you're ever that away and longing for God, you'll know what that means. 14th verse, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. All of that is worthy of reading before and after. But it just simply lets us know that we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And then he asks us and holds an open door to us that we come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. He didn't say he was going to alleviate all the problems. He just simply says that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Fathers, we stand in your presence tonight. Any other time we recognize your omnipresence, omnipotence. We realize, Father, that there's not one thing we could speak or say that would help anyone except you anointed God and words come from our mouth, which is spirit and life. So we ask especially tonight, Lord, for the anointing of God on our life, on the word of God, and we ask for the anointing of God upon the hearers. God, we're living in desperate age and time, and we surely need to rediscover you and all your power, all the energy you have and all your glory. We want to do that, Lord. Now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen. You may be seated. We're living in a complex world, filled with a lot of advers adversities and a lot of strife. Things happen that we never thought would happen. Manners that we never thought would happen. And we struggle to understand what's going on. And if we're not very careful, a lot of times we'll blame God, or others, or ourselves, instead of trusting God. So if I had a title for this message tonight, it would simply be, Don't Blame God, Trust Him. And one of the most baffling and confusing things within our Christian faith and walk is a devastating fact of human suffering. You look out over the world and you wonder, how can a good God allow these things to happen in our life? And we struggle sometimes with our faith, and all of us have had times of sorrow like sea billows have rolled over us and we struggle desperately for a good breath of air been times when pain and perplexity, simply when our lamps of faith had burned and flickered almost out and low. There's been times when shadows of doubt have welled up within us, deep within us. There's been times when we felt as if God has let us down. Times when we have turned our face to the wall and cried, Why God? 
Where are you? All right? I have instances during my years of ministry. Here's a devoted mother, an inspiration to others. Loyal to the church, a mere 47 years old. Husband and children stand at the casket, at the funeral, and simply say, why? Brother Hostclaw, why? Leaving behind a lot of loved ones and seemingly cut off at the prime of their age. Or maybe there's a family that's been struck down. Not just once, but a lot of times with sickness, unemployment. One setback after another until we're tempted to say with Job, let the day perish when I was born. I remember being called to Norman, Oklahoma to a funeral where this individual's only son was killed by a drunken driver as they were returning home for church service. His wife was in the hospital fighting for her life. His mother-in-law lay in the same casket with her grandson. He turned to me with deep anguish in his face and he asked that old familiar question that anybody, especially ministers, don't like to hear. He simply said, why, Brother Hostclaw, why? Why is this happening? My own sister, Margaret, her son, 28 years old, lay dying in the hospital, searching my face for some glimmer of hope or understanding, simply looked up in the face of her brother and said, Why, Roy, why? Brother Larry Lance, young minister in his 30s, died and left a beautiful wife, two loving daughters. He had just made plans to go evangelizing. He'd gotten his house in order. He'd bought a trailer and he was ready to go. He went to meet the Lord. You ask yourself the question, why he was so vibrant and so filled of life, so filled with the Holy Ghost and such zeal in his life and his heart. You ask your question, why? I looked down upon the face of my father who had always given me advice when I needed it. Mere hardly 74 years old. Seemed like had a lot of years left and should have had. I looked down upon his lifeless body and face and I viewed individual lives that had never done one good thing for God any time, was living to be ripe old ages. I had to ask myself, God, why is it? Exactly what's going on here? And on and on we can go on that. But Jesus once said in Matthew 5.45, God makes His Son describe on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. But somehow, these words fall flat when it rains on our child, when it rains on our wife, when it rains on our friends, when it rains on somebody close to us. And it's in these hours, if we would let it, that the words of Jesus on the cross take on a new meaning to us. We would go back just for a few moments. Matthew 27, 46, just before the ninth hour. Jesus had been taken from the garden He'd been humiliated. He'd been abused. He'd been spit upon. He'd been crowned with thorns. Had the cross pressed upon his back and fell under the heavy load. They penetrated his hands and feet with nail spikes. He was suffering agony. And he was there not because of anything that he had done. The heavy weight and load of our sins and sins of all humanity was upon him. And it seemed like at the moment when he really needed God the most, 
when he really needed to reach out. He made a cry that sounds alive. And a cry that I think we ought to all take in consideration. As he simply says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In other words, place cried. And as it cried, it reached out a hand to try to find the hand that had always been there to sustain him. And yet he found none. How often have you and I in some portions of our life and times of our life have just simply cried out to God and wondered where he was at and reached out a hand that had always been there and sometimes you bring it back empty. It seems as if God has simply turned his back on us. But you have to remember that he has said that there's not one thing we'll ever undergo, ever have or ever will, but what he's already experienced that. And so this writing here as we read in Hebrews, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, in all manner suffer just like we have. And he simply had to understand how we felt when sometimes we're disappointed in our heartaches. There's trouble all over us, there's grief, sorrow, and sicknesses, questions that's unanswered, and we just look up and say, God, where are you? We have to turn right back to this scripture and realize Jesus was in far worse condition than we was, and he reached out for a hand and it was not there. Now, sadistic as it might seem, I, for one, am glad that he uttered these words. I'm glad that he saw fit and he understood the failures of man and times when we would stand in moments like that. And he uttered those words. And before that, he always seemed so, so far above us, so far above in his morals and his spiritual grandeur, so many miles above our feelings. Like some celestial superman, he seemed to walk through this earth untouched by the things we are touched with, discouragements and bitterness and sufferings that have scarred our lives. It seemed like he just walked through it all. I realize that I just read the scripture in every respect, tempted as we, but yet, until we see him on the cross, until we hear him sound his loneliness, feeling of loneliness that we so often have had, putting into words the desperation that we have known. See, our Lord confronts us at this level. He seems so unreal sometimes to us, and we feel so separated from Him. But we need tonight to take a brief look at Him. Just for a few moments, it just seemed like the end of Jesus. It seemed like He was mistaken and had been all through His ministry. It seemed like the final results of his love, his trust in God, his passion for goodness had been wasted. You see, it wasn't the physical agony that prompted his words. And usually with a child of God, it is not the physical agony that touches our life. It is not that we can endure that if we know that we're doing that for the Lord. But sometimes we live our life and we plant our feet and we do the best we know how to do in areas that we know how to do it. And then all at once nothing turns out like we feel like it ought to turn out. We turn around and we search for God and we look for Him and we cry out to Him and we search the Bible and we find the prophets of old and uh, filled with uh, the songs filled with those things. 
And we cry those same things and sometimes it just seems like nothing is happening. All our life we've lived seemed like for God has been for nothing. It seemed like everything was gone. He had a feeling that Jesus did of what he had done had been without purpose. And friend, what hurts more than anything else, and I know that and you do, a lot of you know that, that when it seems like our purpose in life has been thwarted, when it seems like everything we've lived for is of no value, when it seems like every prayer we prayed and it does not get an answer, when it seems like every path that we have walked has been for naught, when it seems like our life to live for God and compassion and the power of the Holy Ghost hasn't amounted to anything and the purpose of our life is gone. And we stand before God and we have the same thing. My God, where are you at? I've searched for you in areas. I've looked for you in the Bible. I've searched for you with tears on my pillow at night to try to find an answer from you. I've looked into the heavens and I knew you must be there somewhere. And I listened for your voice and I didn't hear it. We cry with Jesus, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, Jesus had presented a God that would listen to prayers. Amen? He presented a God that understood problems. He presented a God that gave gifts to his children. And now here he was, that one that presented that type of God, hanging on the cross, publicly humiliated. No wonder, no wonder he cried, but he did not cry that necessarily just for him. He cried that for us. That we might understand that he knew moments that we go through that he had already been through there. And not only had he already been through there, he has walked before us. And thank God he's come back to walk with us through it again. Said he'd never leave us and never forsake us. And it was in this darkened hour where he hang there, seemingly nobody listening, nobody could do anything, his friends forsaking him, ladies crying at the foot of the cross, blood dripping down through it all in pain and agony untold, that he identified himself more closely to us than any other time. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want us to hear tonight the words of Jesus and understand that he knew exactly how we felt. He knows exactly how we feel tonight. Wherever we're at has not escaped His eyes. His attention has never been drawn from any place, anywhere else. He sees everything and everyone with one swift swift glance of His power and of His might. Jesus sees, He knows, and He understands. He searches our spirit and searches our life, but oftentimes He leaves us to flounder and flex our our muscles until we've done the best we can until Jesus comes on the scene. Hallelujah. He's always there in the times of need. Many times we say, God, I can't stand it anymore. But His Word says, I'm not going to put any more on you than that which you're able to bear. Of course, in those hours, He was not forsaken. He only felt forsaken in His darkest hour. Psalms 37, 38, For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not His saints. They are preserved forever. I like the words of God, don't you? I like the understanding of Jesus. Although there's not a completely satisfying answer to human suffering, I don't understand it. All of those things must always remain partly unanswered. But there's one thing that's certain. We may feel forsaken. We may feel like that we are left alone. But Hebrews 13, 5, He has said, I will never leave thee, and I will never forsake thee. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. 
So saints, tonight in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our loneliness, in the times of our doubting moments, there is a presence. If we will be still long enough, if we will just be sober long enough, if we'll just hold our place in God long enough, in the midst of all of this, there is a presence. There is a supernatural presence. There is a comforter. There is a fortifier. There is one who does strengthen. There is one who does uphold us. There is one who does bring us somehow from hour to hour, from day to day, and from year to year. And whatever reason for our sufferings and times we go through with simply has the answer to that haunting question. There is a presence. Hallelujah. There is a presence that is always there. If we'll just feel for Him, stand still long enough, and wait for Him, and trust Him, and plant our feet solid upon the rock of our salvation, and believe Him, He will soon see us through and he will carry us through and he'll have the answer to our questions. This we know God does not forsake us. He remains our refuge. He remains our strength and we that have gone through the dark hours and dark nights of the soul have found the sunshine and we have found that walking through the valley of the shadow of death we are to fear no evil for he is with us his rod and his staff will comfort us and he walks us through the midnight hour on the other side and there is sunshine there and there's glory there and power there and we are convinced we that have walked through it beyond the shadow of doubt that he was there all the time sometimes we don't know that he's there sometimes there's no feeling that he's there you see, that's the dangerous part about it. And sometimes in our religiosity, we always wait for a feeling. There's a certain feeling that we ought to have as Jesus is there. There's certain things that He ought to do for us when we ask Him. And uh, certain areas, uh, ways that He ought, ought to move upon our life. And certain signs that He ought to give. But a lot of times He just waits and He just asks us, can you believe without feeling anything? Can you believe without seeing anything? Can you believe just by what I have already said in my word, that I am with you always, that I have never left you, I never will, I'll never forsake you, but I'll walk with you even to the toughest of time. I'm going to say it again, saints, there is a presence. Hallelujah. There is a presence that is always there. There is something that engulfs us and something that puts His arms around us and something that lets us know that He's never been gone away from us. He's always been right by our side. Ready to steady us. Ready to catch us. If we're almost ready to fall. But He lets us walk on our own. Until we find we can't do it anymore. We're living in a day and age saints. We're living in a time of problems and trouble. We're living in times and days. Where we simply have to start believing Jesus. Simply have to start trusting Him. We're going to have to offer this world some type of solidity. We're going to have to have something under our belt that simply says, I believe God. I believe God and trust Him and believe Him. Something that says when we ask and we don't ask amiss, that He has and will answer our prayers. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Told us that we, if we ask amiss, we wouldn't receive it. Can't ask that we consume it with our own lust. But any time we approach God and we ask Him for strength and power and anointing, He'll give it to us. 
Anytime we approach God and ask Him to see us through the dark hours, He'll see us through. Anytime we ask of Him something that would upbuild the kingdom and cause Him God, He will grant it to us. He said, Seek and you shall find. God help us to seek the wisdom of God tonight. Help us to know what the wisdom of God is. Help us to gird up our loins and do, get ready for battle because we are on a battleground, saints. There is a battleground inside of us that seeks control of our lives and there's a battleground out there. We need to be victors, saints. And victors only through Jesus Christ. And remembering what He said, He has spelt our infirmities. Not one single thing we go through. Not one pain that we feel. Not one single sickness or suffering. Not one single disappointment or discouragement. Uh, but what Jesus has already felt it. Felt the pangs of our sin. Felt the pangs of our sickness. Understood what it is like. Touched with the feelings of our infirmities. All points tempted even as we. And yet he was without sin. Why did he do that? That he might furnish to us the existence of Christ in our own life. Yes, he said, knock and it will be opened. God help us tonight to knock upon the door of truth, upon the door of salvation, and upon the door of wisdom, and open that to us. I'm going to close tonight, and somebody said, that's the shortest message you ever preached. Well, you're probably not here very many, very long, but there's some things that I want to get done tonight. Some areas in which I want to do, and I know God that wants it. I'm going to ask my wife, Sister Catherine, when she gets back, would come. She's going to sing to you. He was there all the time. And while she is singing that, I want you to begin to reach back into your experience and in your life. And I want you to recognize tonight, whoever you are, whatever you are, and what trouble. See, I don't know your problems. I don't know your trouble, but I do know we have them. I do know that sometimes we just need a little bit of help. While she comes getting ready to sing, I want you to begin to deal with your spirit and heart and ask God to reveal to you what your need is the most. And we're going to pray for you tonight. I believe if I ever believed anything strong in my life, I believe God's going to touch you in your infirmities. I believe God is going to release you from your problems. I believe you're going to be reminded that Jesus cried the same cry you cry. And he has come to give us deliverance tonight in our spirit and in our soul. If you'll just uh, just begin to think on those things while she comes to sing, while she sings. He was there all the time. I want you to stand with me tonight. He was there all the time. I want you to feel and sense the presence of God. One that's in our assembly tonight. One that's ready to take care of every single problem that we have. You have brought a problem into the assembly tonight. You've been doubtful. You've been fearful. Things have not gone the way you think they ought to go. And God has not answered you. It's been a long time since He said much to you. I want you to understand. He was there all the time. Try. 
right there all the time. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently. Was begging.